MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Today, Jack Smith has roughly 50 pages of detailed notes of Evan Corcoran's communications with Donald Trump and others after he was subpoenaed for classified documents. Judge Beryl Howell puts the screws to Rudy Giuliani in the civil suit filed by Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman. Trump's Department of Justice investigated the Clinton Foundation until his final days in office. And newly released text messages tie Ron DeSantis to Lev Parnas. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy May 23rd. Thank you. And man, we you wrote the script and all of a sudden the news broke. <laughs> I mean, it broke. You broke the news. I broke the news. It is breaking. And May 23rd, hey, it's my favorite day of the year because my two favorite numbers are 5 and 23, and it's the year 23. So I expect amazing things from today. Amazing. I didn't know that. the, The more you know, listeners, the more you know. (laughs) The more you know. Uh, Two huge breaking news stories, though, that we aren't even going to get to cover today because they just came out. E. Jean Carroll will seek substantial damages from Donald because of his CNN town hall comments. She is going to sue him again. I love it. I love it. Fuck around. Find out. Let's do this. Yes. And I wonder if they're going to ask for summary judgment since they already just went through all this. (laughs) and He said the exact same things. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to read Robbie Kaplan's filing. And... This is, I'm, my mind is blown. Jack Smith has subpoenaed, remember when in the classified documents case, we heard from the New York Times that, that he had subpoenaed some documents about Trump's live golf tournament with the Saudis? Yes. Well, as part of that subpoena, according to the New York Times, he also subpoenaed documents about Trump's real estate deals in seven countries going back to 2017, including Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Oman, Turkey, France, Kuwait, and China. So we're going to talk about all that a little bit tomorrow, but more exclusively and, and, and more in depth on this coming weekend's episode of the Jack Podcast with me and Andy McCabe. But that's like huge. Yeah. Whoa, it's part of the classified documents case. So I, I'm assuming it has something to do with espionage. I, I, I'm my mind is blown by this because I didn't think. Jack Smith was going to cast this wide a net, but apparently he is. Oh, man, I would just love if there was proof that he sold some of these to some of these countries in exchange for real estate deals, something. I mean, it would be a beautiful thing. I know it's all speculation, but there's got to be something. There's there's a there's a something there. There's there's a something there where they're looking. Yeah. And I mean, I love it that he's looking into it. I hate it that Trump might have done that. Yeah. Well, it would you know, we none of us would put that past him. And we're just assuming that that's the case. Yep. Yep. We've all kind of been assuming that. All right. With those massive breaking stories out of the way, we have a lot of other news to get to from breaking news that also happened earlier today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up, from Hugo Lowell at The Guardian, and you can find a thread of mine about this on Twitter at Mueller, she wrote, federal prosecutors have evidence Donald Trump was put on notice 
that he could not retain any classified documents after he was subpoenaed for their return last year. And this is as prosecutors examine whether the subsequent failure to comply with the subpoena was deliberate and an act of obstruction by Donald Trump. These previously unreported warnings conveyed to Trump by his lawyer Evan Corcoran could be significant in the criminal investigation surrounding Trump's handling of classified materials, given it shows he knew about his subpoena obligations. That shows that willful knowledge, right? The federal investigation led by Jack Smith has recently focused on why the subpoena was not complied with, notably whether Trump arranged for boxes of classified documents to be moved out of the storage room so that he could illegally retain them. And CNN followed up on this. Those same notes show Donald Trump asked whether he could push back against the Justice Department efforts last year to recover classified documents still in his possession during conversations with his lawyer over compliance with the federal subpoena. These are roughly 50 pages of notes. And in particular, prosecutors have fixated on Trump's valet, Walt Nada. Not a good witness, as Andy McCabe says. <laughs> he, he was going to cooperate. They were going to get him to cooperate. Then he clammed up and decided not to. His lawyer, by the way, same lawyer that Pete Navarro and Kosh Patel have, both all being paid by the Trump Save America PAC, which is also being investigated by Jack Smith. Goodness. Well, Walt Nada... After he told the Justice Department, Trump told him to move the boxes out of the storage room before and after the subpoena. The activity was captured on surveillance footage, which was also subpoenaed, though there were also gaps in those tapes. So Jack Smith got another subpoena to the software company that houses all of the recordings. (laughs) And Andy and I, like I said, we're going to discuss the implications on this weekend's Jack podcast. But this does not bode well for Donald when you add the fact that on May 24th this week, The National Archives will be handing over proof that Donald knew he couldn't declassify the documents with his mind. (laughs) So all of this stuff is really coming together. I think we're coming up on the end of this documents investigation, at least. It would be a beautiful thing. And I want to apologize in advance for some of the wording in this next story, because it makes me... And I'll show you where it's at. This is from Raw Story on Friday from former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Well... He received a dressing down, and that's where my problem lies. A dressing down from a U.S. District Court judge for slowing down the discovery process in a civil trial, with Giuliani complaining about having to turn over information about his finances and worth. Now, according to a report from Politico's Josh Gerstein, Judge Beryl Howell grew testy with the former, also a word I'm not comfortable with, grew testy with the former mayor, <laughs> And Donald Trump lawyer during the, quote, unusual three-hour hearing and expressed exasperation with his delay tactics. Gerstein reported, and I quote, Howell repeatedly expressed irritation at having to expend considerable time on the discovery dispute, which she suggested should have been worked out by the parties, with the report adding she was incensed by Giuliani's efforts to search for relevant emails and messages, calling it a murky mess and adding, I can't say I'm happy about it. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the case in question centers on two Georgia poll workers who claim Giuliani defamed them with accusations of election fraud during the 2020 presidential election. Two incredibly courageous women, I might add. On Friday, Howell ordered Giuliani to hand over a detailed accounting of his finances and net worth. And the Politico report notes that Giuliani continued to complain to the judge despite his attorney, Joseph Sibley, trying to rein him in. Joseph was like, (laughs) knock it off, you jackass. And he couldn't. And this is a quote. 
The former mayor said complying with the document demands in the poll workers libel suit was complicated by the fact that the FBI seized all of his electronics in April of 2021 as prosecutors investigated potential violations of foreign agent laws in connection with Giuliani's work in Ukraine. This is what Gerstein wrote before adding the indignant Giuliani exclaimed to the judge, another quote, I've been dealing with this for 50 years. I understand the obligation. There's nothing I want to hide. I'd like them to see everything. Not being perfect doesn't mean you're deleting things. I don't delete things. He's totally deleting things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what that means. If anyone over on that side says they haven't done something, They've done dollars something. Done, they've done something. Dollars to donuts, they have done something. Oh, now I want donuts. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm, donuts. Donuts. Yeah. And the funny part is, is that Rudy was like, look, I can't afford to pay a guy to go through all my stuff and hand over this stuff. And and Judge Beryl Howell was like, great, then you have to prove that you're broke. Because I, I don't believe you. That's it. Uh, and so now he has to basically prove to Judge Beryl Howell She's not the chief judge anymore. She's just a, not just a, but she's a, a, you know, a district court judge there. And, you know, she's like, no, you, you, you prove it. Prove you're broke. Prove you can't get hand over the documents and discovery in this case. She's getting really sick and tired of his shit. I love it. And Pete and I are going to discuss that case on tomorrow's cleanup on aisle 45. Me and Pete struck. Next up from Adam Goldman at the Times, the Justice Department kept open the investigation into Hillary Clinton's family foundation for nearly all of Trump's administration, with prosecutors closing the case without charges just days before he left office. This is breaking news. Newly released documents and interviews with the former department officials show that the investigation stretched long past when FBI agents and prosecutors knew it was a dead end. The conclusion of the case, which centered on the Clinton Foundation's dealings with foreign donors when Ms. Clinton served as Secretary of State under Obama, has not been previously reported. Trump, who campaigned on a promise to lock her up, spent much of his four-year term pressuring the FBI and the Justice Department, that's called weaponization, by the way, to target political rivals. After being accused by the president's allies of serving as part of a deep state cabal working against him, FBI officials insisted the department acknowledged in writing that there was no case to bring. None. The closing documents, which were obtained by the New York Times as part of a Freedom of Information Act request, spelled the end to an investigation that top prosecutors had expressed doubts about from the beginning. Still, it became a rallying cry for Republicans who believed the FBI would ultimately turn up evidence of corruption and damage Ms. Clinton's political fortunes, I guess. The foundation became attack fodder for Republicans in 2015 after conservative author Pete Schweitzer published a book, Clinton Cash, the untold story of how and why foreign governments and businesses helped make Bill and Hillary rich. An investigation of donations that foreign entities made to the Clinton Foundation. Schweitzer is the president of the Government Accountability Institute, where Steve Bannon was a founder and the executive chairman. Good Lord. Yeah, Republicans seized on the accusations in Schweitzer's book, accusing Clinton of supporting the interests of foundation donors as part of a quid pro quo. Specifically, critics focused on the foundation's receipt of a large donation or large donations in exchange for supporting the sale of Uranium One. Remember that stupid story? I do. A Canadian company with ties to mining stakes in the United States to a Russian nuclear agency. The deal was approved in 2010 by the Committee of Foreign Investment in the United States, where Clinton, as Secretary of State, had a voting seat. 
Schweitzer's research caught the eye of FBI agents in Washington who, in 2016, opened a preliminary investigation based solely on unvetted hearsay information in the book. And that's according to the final report by John Durham, the Trump-era special counsel who led the investigation into the Russia investigation. The FBI in New York and Little Rock, Arkansas, also opened investigations that relied on information from confidential source reporting, OPPO Research. That's according to Durham. Durham also compared the handling of the Clinton Foundation investigation to the FBI's treatment of the Russia investigation. As part of his inquiry, Durham questioned Mrs. Clinton last spring. He did. Secretary Clinton was voluntarily interviewed by Special Counsel Durham on May 11th, 2022. That's Dave Kendall, her lawyer. Not the guy from MTV, but her lawyer. (laughs) Dave Kendall. No topics were off limits. She answered every question. The Justice Department didn't think much of the foundation investigations. That frustrated some FBI agents. Raymond Hulser, a prosecutor in charge of the public integrity section at the time, told Durham that the Washington case that was based on the book lacked predication meaning it shouldn't have been opened. Hulzer, by the way, now works for Jack Smith. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just thought I'd throw that in there. Indeed, some prosecutors at the time believed the book had been discredited. The investigation became a source of friction at the FBI, as agents believed the Justice Department had somehow stymied their work. Andrew McCabe, who we know, FBI's deputy director at the time, was accused of leaking information about the case to the Wall Street Journal and later lying about it to the Justice Department's Inspector General. The episode helped prompt his firing in 2018, about an hour before he was about to collect his, you know, his retirement. And it was a failed effort by the department to prosecute him. Barr brought it to a grand jury, and the grand jury's like, nope, nothing here. And so he brought it to (laughs) another grand jury, and they're like, still no, bro. Quit grand jury shopping. In August 2016, the three foundation cases were consolidated under the supervision of agents in New York, Agents were authorized to seek subpoenas from the U.S. attorney's offices in Manhattan and Brooklyn, but prosecutors declined to issue any subpoenas. The investigation went dormant. Ultimately, the FBI moved the case to Little Rock, Arkansas. In 2017, after prosecutors there requested help, the deputy attorney general's office said the Justice Department would support the case, Trump's Justice Department. Eventually, prosecutors secured a subpoena for the charity in early 2018, and the FBI detailed personnel to examine donor records. Investigators also interviewed the former chief financial officer for the foundation. Career prosecutors in Little Rock then closed the case. They notified the FBI's office in two letters in January of 2021. But in a toxic atmosphere in which Trump had long accused the FBI of bias, the top agent in Little Rock wanted it known that career prosecutors, not FBI officials, were behind the decision. In August 2021, the FBI received what's known as a declination memo from prosecutors and as a result, considered the matter closed. Quote, all the evidence obtained during the course of this stupid fucking investigation has been returned or destroyed, according to the FBI. (laughs) I added the stupid fucking. So, (laughs) while Durham complains wrongly that the Russia probe was opened without predicate on opposition research, right-wing nutjobs are perfectly fine with the probe into the Clinton Foundation having been opened on oppo research and having gone on until days before Trump left office. The difference? The Russia investigation had 199 charges against 37 individuals and entities with a 100% conviction rate. The Clinton probe, zero charges, zero convictions. Wait, how many? I'm sorry. Zero. Oh. Zero. Is that, yep, that's less than 199, uh, right? Okay. Way less. And Durham, zero convictions. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Thank you, AG. Sometimes there's good news in our hot notes. Now, this is from Reuters. <laughs> Ukrainian-American, and I feel like this is too, I love that this connection's happening because we saw it a while ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Ukrainian-American businessman Lev Parnas and his business partner were arrested in 2019. Okay, they were accused by the U.S. government of funneling a Russian oligarch's money into American political campaigns. Well, one recipient of Parnas's donations is who? Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Oh. Yep, has said he was, <laughs> and, and Ron was like, he's barely an acquaintance, I don't know. I'm, Coffee boy. Yeah, and this is a quote, the governor does not have a relationship with these individuals. DeSantis' spokesperson said that at the time, and that was Helen Aguirre-Fiere, said in a statement on October 10, 2019. Well, six days later, DeSantis told reporters that Parnas was just like any other donor, nothing more than that. Just funneling Russian money on into That's my right. Apparently all of his donors are corrupt then. Now, DeSantis and Parnas worked more closely together than the Republican governor has disclosed, it seems. And this is according to a detailed account of the relationship Parnas provided to Reuters and 63 previously unreported text messages from DeSantis to Parnas directly between May and October of 2018, as DeSantis campaigned for governor at the time. A jury later found Parnas guilty of campaign finance crimes and other charges. Well, As DeSantis prepares to take a widely anticipated leap into the 2024 presidential campaign this week, the disclosures from Parnas cast new light on the Florida governor's relationship with the businessman and the role Parnas played in helping DeSantis gain entry into the circle of former President Donald Trump. He came to me with tears in his eyes. He was crying. He begged me. He He begged me. DeSantis spokesman Dave Abrams did not respond to specific questions on the existence of the texts and Parnas's account of their relationship. He said, this is another recycled narrative that has been proven wrong many times over. This is what he said. DeSantis gave back the contribution, by the way, after Parnas ran into legal trouble. He's oh, like, I don't want this. Yeah, oh, oh, only after he was indicted. I exactly. The text messages reviewed by Reuters show that DeSantis frequently, in more than 20 texts, appealed to fellow Floridian Parnas for introductions, advice, and other fundraising help during his hotly contested campaign for governor. Now, two sources close to DeSantis during his 2018 campaign confirmed the texter's number belonged to DeSantis at that time. The texts also reveal that Parnas served as an intermediary between DeSantis and former New York mayor who... Oh. Rudy Giuliani, oh. who at the time was the personal attorney to Donald. The testy personal attorney to Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he gets dressed down a lot. In one case, 10 days before the 2018 election, DeSantis sent Parnas a text with suggested wording for a Giuliani tweet in support of his candidacy. Well, Parnas, who's now 51, he shot to prominence in 2019. That's when we all started to hear about him. He was a key figure in the events leading to Trump's first impeachment working with Giuliani to gather damaging information on Democrat Joe Biden's son, Hunter, in Ukraine at the time. Now, accused of withholding aid to Ukraine unless Kiev investigated Biden, Trump was impeached by the Democratic-led House of Representatives, as we know, and charged with abuse of power. He was acquitted, unfortunately, by the Republican majority in the Senate. Now, a federal judge sentenced Parnas last year to 20 months in prison on a separate matter, defrauding investors in a sham company and illegally making donations to U.S. political candidates on behalf of Russian oligarch Andrei Muraviv. Now, Muraviv has been charged as well in the case, but is a fugitive at this moment. He declined to comment. 
Now, even before his criminal case, Parnas had an unusual resume for a political rainmaker, if you will. After moving to Florida from New York in 1995, he worked for penny stock companies that ran into regulatory problems. This is according to public records, by the way. So he's been a crook through and through. In 2016, a federal court in New York issued a $500,000 judgment against him for defrauding an individual whose family's trust lent Parnas money for a movie called Anatomy of an Assassin. Dun, dun, dun. And that's according to judge's ruling. Parnas says he did nothing wrong in that case. It did nothing wrong. Parnas is serving out a sentence under house arrest at this time, wearing shorts and an ankle bracelet. He spoke with Reuters for several hours at his home in Boca Raton. Now, Parna says he now regrets his alliance with Giuliani and Trump, believing he was used. Uh, You were. He said he shared the text with Reuters because he feels betrayed by DeSantis, who he says stopped returning text or calls once he won the governor's race. Oh, he ghosted him. Oh, yeah. Parnas once considered DeSantis a close confidant, he said. We became very friendly. Well, in 2019, Parnas was a well-known figure in Trump's orbit, often seen with Giuliani. Parnas and his business partner, another Ukrainian-American named Igor Fruman, as we know, would later pay Giuliani $500,000 for consultant work. And that's from, again, Reuters. They reported that. Parnas says he first met DeSantis in May of 2018, about three months before Republican primary elections in Florida. While DeSantis, then a three-term U.S. representative, was locked in a very tight primary race for governor with Adam Putman. That's Florida's then commissioner of agriculture. God, I wish that son of a bitch had won. <laughs> I'm sure he's not a son of a bitch, but whoo. And this is a quote. Ron DeSantis approached me at the Trump International Hotel and introduced himself, telling me that he was told to come meet me because I was very close with Donald Trump. This is from Parnas. Now, Reuters could not establish who told DeSantis to meet with Parnas at that Washington, D.C. hotel. Well, Trump has already tweeted support for DeSantis the prior December. This is way back then. DeSantis wanted a formal endorsement by Trump ahead of the August primary. And this is a quote. He told me he heard I was the guy to be, to speak to because of my relationship with Trump. That's how he worded it. This is from Parnas, that he was the guy to talk to. Hmm. There's no evidence, by the way, that Parnas had any direct influence with Trump. Okay. And a spokesperson for Trump did not respond to a request for comment. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. The Parnas yeah. and Fruman show. Okay. Big old bag of rats. Yes, that's right. Mama Steph and her bag of rats. Mm, very interesting. A uh, lot of old news coming coming to the forefront of the breaking news today. It's kind of interesting. It is. It's like Hollywood. They just recycle stories and they're <laughs> like, that's intellectual property. Let's bring that back. <laughs> totally. We know there's a there there. Absolutely. The sequel, Parnas and Freeman Show, the sequel. Uh, now Ron DeSantis is back. Oh, cool. All right. Well, everybody, we have some good news we're going to get to, but we're going to take a quick break first. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I was looking for something to boost my immune system, and I hated having to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and supplements every day. It was taking up a whole cabinet in my kitchen. I take AG1 first thing every morning before I've even had my first cup of coffee, and it makes me feel like I'm covering all my nutritional bases, filling in all those gaps. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. AG1 is 
is a huge value and a time saver. It replaces all my supplements. It's a daily multivitamin, mineral, pre and probiotics, adaptogens, even a greens blend all in one potent, delicious scoop and a cup of water. It's not just a money saver, but a time saver too. Just one quick scoop each morning simplifies my routine. It was an easy habit to pick up and it makes building a healthier lifestyle effortless and convenient. Honestly, no other daily habit comes close to the payoff I get from AG1. And that's why my main go-to is AG1 when it comes to boosting my health. It is the real deal. So if you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D plus five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, if you want to play What the Mutt or give a shout out to somebody that you love or send baby pictures or frog orgy pictures or pod pet tax, or if you don't have a pod pet, an adoptable pet, an adoptable pet, you could send an adoptable pet in your area. We love that. Uh, or, you know, a shout out to a small business or your small business. Anything you want to send us. Shit kids say is awfully fun as well. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, first up, a couple people sent in a correction about mayor-elect in Colorado Springs. Yemi Mobilade is not a member of the Democratic Party. He won as an independent. He is the first mayor of Colorado Springs elected who is not a Republican. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. And from Dan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's definitely a trap. <laughs> Pronouns he and him. Hello, Beantopia. I hope Rudy Giuliani wakes up every day to explosives and spicy diarrhea. Here's my dorky cat, Baker. You are all loved. Thank you. Baker is a big kitty. I don't even know how to explain this lewd and lascivious photograph of Baker, uh, but it is fantastic. Thank you for a picture of this kitty. All right. And I actually, I don't even know if I can cover this one because I didn't hit the link, AG. This is from Anonymous, pronounced she and her. This is how to pronounce axolotl, which I'm apparently doing wrong. (laughs) Let's see. Let Let me see. Let me go find this and listen real quick. It's a two-minute video. In English, it's commonly pronounced axolotl and oxalotl. Oh, it's axolotl. Oh. Okay. Oh, what's axolotl? All right. I like axolotl. Great. Thank you, Anonymous. You want to get the next one, too? I rarely say things correctly, so I'm glad I got that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is from Bernie, pronouns he and him, newer listener. I am a confirmed Democrat, and I have a visceral response to Donald Trump, but I have one problem with the treatment of him. Like about 5% of people, I have essential tremor and need to always use two hands to steady a glass as I drink. Ah, of course, I don't know if he also has this problem or would even admit if he did, but I am allowing him the possibility. At 72 years old, I also take a little more time navigating stairs or ramps. Neither of these conditions affect my mind. Bernie, thank you for this. Yeah. I think it is a valid possibility that is what's going on with him. And I believe there may be something affecting his mind. But I'm glad yours is yeah. working it's the hate. on all cylinders. It's yeah. the hate and the cruelty and the narcissism that affect his mind. So Indeed. But that is, that is a really, it's really interesting. That's really interesting, especially that you have all of these same things that we've seen him, quote unquote, struggle with in public. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, we, you yeah. know, we always defend when people talk about Joe Biden's, uh, you know, slip ups. He grew up with the stutter or stammer. So. Yeah. Uh, and this is cute. A what the mother oh. with a cute baby for Dana. Look at the baby. No, oh, the baby's adorable. All I right. can guess what kind of baby that is. It's an adorable baby. <laughs> it's an adorable human child. Now, what about the mutt? Um, r- Ridgeback, maybe, and some shepherd. Yeah, shepherd. Maybe a labby. Maybe pity. Maybe, maybe chow chow. Let's see. Border collie, Brittany and Jack Russell. Okay. We All got right. Is zero. that a Britney Spears? Like, what's a Britney? What's Britney? <laughs> Britney Spaniel. <laughs> a Britney Spaniel, not a Britney Spears. I was close with the last name. Okay. Oops, you did it again. <laughs> All right. Next up from Christopher, pronouns he and him, Queens. Listener from the table days, but first time good newser. Today, I attended my first ever Pride Fest in New Hope, PA. And wow, nice. what an amazing experience. Photography has long been a side hustle for me. And recently, I made the decision to start working on a photo book about finding joy. And I figured there was no better place to start than the Pride Fest. And I was not wrong. I made the decision after reading Tribe, written by Sebastian Younger, and got fascinated about where joy comes from. Community, self, accomplishment. The concept is simple. Find a few communities that I can feature that I have seemingly found joy in and explore them through portraiture. The Pride Fest set the bar very high. It poured rain most of the day, and honestly, I think the attendees relished in the adversity. The colors, the smiles, the laughter, and the love was just so overwhelming that it changed me. I decided to go by myself, and I'm no stranger to the LGBTQ community after many years of working professionally in the arts, but felt it was important to bond my personal experience first. Our son recently came out to my wife, and I'll save that story for my next entry. I got some amazing portraits, and now I'm the biggest fan of Philadelphia Pride marching band ever. Check out my Instagram at filmdad to see updates on the book. Be well and continue to spread truth and love as you both do so well, and happy Pride. P.S. For pet tax, here's Babs and Mandy, our Amish puppy mill rescue mamas. They are the center of our household love, as rescue pups often are. I've also attached two of my images for you to hopefully enjoy. Maybe if my favorite pod gods make it east, I can immortalize you both as well. It would be my honor. Oh, oh my God, these little babies. Okay, okay. So cute. Ooh, look at these photos. Gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. These are really, really good. Yeah, I cannot wait to see more of this book. Christopher, thanks. And I look forward to your story about the coming out. Me too. All right. This is from Steve in Adelaide. Pronouns he, him. Hello again from Australia. Thanks as ever for keeping the world up to date with a never ending story that is American news and politics. I like to keep up to date so as to be able to refute some of the crap that comes from my wife's Republican family. (laughs) This is to follow up on my previous submission of our Ghostbusters costumes from last Halloween. Yes. And let you know of the good things that have come of it. When I posted our photos to social media, the local Ghostbusters franchise got in touch and asked if we wanted to join them. They do cosplay for a cause and raise money for the Variety Club Children's Charity and for the local charity Shine, S.A. It wasn't a charity I'd ever heard of before, but a little reading later, I learned that Shine, S.A., Sexual Health Information Networking and Education South Australia, is a charity that provides general comprehensive sexual and reproductive health services as well as LGBTQIA plus focused programs, such as inclusion training for professionals. That's awesome. The website is shinesa.org.au. Well, that was something we could really get behind. And so now our costumes have a new purpose. 
As a group, we dress up, take photos with people, and solicit donations at all kinds of events, local fairs, birthday parties, even an evening cocktail event at the South Australian Museum. We raise money for Shine by selling the SA Ghostbusters franchise logo pins in pride colors. And I'm happy to say that recently they have been our best sellers. We're looking forward to getting full-size uniform patches in pride colors and having a presence at the Adelaide Pride March that celebrates its 50th year this coming November. I don't have pet tax, but I have included photos of our diverse group and picture of our awesome pride pins. Many thanks. How cool. That's so cool. Dressing up as Ghostbusters turned into this amazing fundraising effort. This is awesome. Look at that second picture. Oh Oh my God. And the third one. Yes. (laughs) These are so cool. Oh, that's so great. And there's the refresher pics from Halloween of the proton packs and coveralls. Love it. Very amazing. Oh, thank you so much for that submission, uh, Steve. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for your submissions. Truly, truly amazing. We love you all. Thanks to our patrons. You make the show possible. If you want to sign up, you can do it at patreon.com slash wrote. And thank you very much. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Dana? I do. I want to announce a new show. And you are the first to hear about it, Beans listeners, before I put it on um, social media. If you are in the Rochester, New York area, I will be performing at Comedy at the Carlson on July 28th. It's a Friday night. It's an intimate room. There's only 100 seats. It's the night before the Human Rights Campaign Gala. So you can get tickets already on my website. It's danagoldberg.com. Just go to my appearances section and the tickets are live there. You're the first to hear about it. Rochester, New York, July 28th. And I hope you can make it. And to any Beans listeners that, was at my, that were at my show in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Saturday, I thank you so much for being an awesome audience. I love you all. It was good to be home. So very cool. I'm so glad that I knew that show was going to just be killer. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Congrats. And uh, Rochester, New York. That's going to be so awesome as well. Thank you so much, Dana. Everybody, we will be back tomorrow. Dana, you'll be back tomorrow? I will. Yay. Every every day I'm like, will you be back tomorrow? I will indeed. (laughs) Awesome. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been A.G. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. 
an Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is lawyers, guns, and money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.